Well, today is Palm Sunday, and somehow or other you managed to figure out getting the times right, or maybe you swung by at 10 o'clock and got it wrong and came back at 11. I don't know how that worked, but you're here. It's 11. Uh, well done. Uh, you did it. Uh, and as you can notice, we're a little bit of elbow room because we have uh, two services. Now, next week's always a mystery because, you know, you guys come late today because, hey, it's great. I can sleep in. And then next week, it's like, hey, it's Easter. Let's go to the early service so we can get out early. And, you know, I don't know. But it'll all work out. Come to whatever service you like. Uh, glad to have you. Uh, but with Palm Sunday, uh, it's obviously the kickoff of Holy Week. And uh, my concern is, are you in sync with Jesus? Are you in sync with what God is doing? And, uh, you know, sometimes Easter just seems to spring up upon us, uh, like today, it's supposed to be spring, and then they're talking about snow. It's like, you know, you're all out of sync. It's like, what's up with this? I thought I was in the groove, and then I'm not. But uh, there is something about uh, our job of getting in tune with not only what Jesus did historically, you know, with Easter, but also presently. Uh, so there's something to be said about how do we prepare our hearts uh, for Easter. Uh, and this week is a week where I just really encourage everyone to really press in to spirituality, to really try and take as much time as you can this week to prepare uh, for, for Easter. It's so easy for us to get out of sync with what God is doing or, or what the season is supposed to be all about. You know, we can get really busy uh, work-wise, uh, we can have family crises, uh, we can have things which we just don't even expect to have happen, happen. Uh, and yet at the same time, what I am saying is we need to be able to get in the mindset of we're just going to walk and worship Jesus. Whether it's like fantastic time of, the li of your life where things are just going great and, and this is just awesome and it's like a natural thing to worship, great, walk and worship Jesus. On the other hand, it might be a really difficult season in your life for whatever reason. Uh, then it's not as easy to just say, okay, I'm going to walk and I'm going to worship Jesus. But I encourage you to do that. Whatever season you find yourself in, walk and follow Jesus. You know, Palm Sunday is this classic uh, time in the calendar where I don't have enough time to like preach the whole Holy Week because today's Palm Sunday, which is a great day. Everybody's you know praising God, uh, waving branches, olive branches, telling everybody you know great Messiah's here. This is Jesus. Let's just worship Him. And next weekend it's Resurrection Sunday. It's like oh praise God, you know He's risen. But unless you can experience this deep valley in between, and we don't have like church do that and TV is not going to do it for you and your, your, your office work is not going to do that for you and your kids aren't going to do that for you. But unless you can experience this, this low, which who wants to experience a low? Nobody. But, you know, but unless you can experience the suffering of Christ and uh, our own sort of lack of perfection, uh, unless we can get in touch with our imperfection, we can't really explore the the greatness of His resurrection. So, you know, my job today is, is always a, a challenge on, on uh, Good Friday. Uh, well, knowing that Good Friday is coming, but we've got Palm Sunday uh, where we celebrate in Christ and we've got Good Friday where we 
celebrating his death and then getting ready for Easter. So it's sort of like, you know, I'm not a good uh, dancer, as my wife will tell you very, very quickly. And uh, for me, uh, to dance is just like a painful thing, you know, because I know I'm going to step on his toes. And because she's a good dancer, she's going to start telling me what to do. And then I get like, you know, I don't like to be told what to do. Now move, yeah, move. Then it's like, I'll show you how to move. Like, woo! You know, it's like, it's not a good experience for anybody. You know, it's sort of like Brian at the beginning saying, you know, can you just clap in tune? And I'm like, no, I can't clap in tune. I'll just like wait till everybody else is going. Then I'll, you know, try and be in tune. But if you're in sync, it's a great thing. And if you're out of sync or out of harmony, it's just not a great thing. You know, so I want us to get in sync with what uh, Jesus is doing uh, during this season. Now, uh, don't answer this question, but what has been going on in your mind today or this last week? Uh, and let me just, you know, hazard a guess here that you probably weren't like just thinking about Jesus all week and, you know, just being really, really holy. I mean, maybe you were. Uh, if you were, that's awesome. Uh, but uh, what has been on your mind all week? And, and what have you been thinking about? Uh, I don't know what's consuming you. Maybe it's the presidential elections, and maybe it's, I don't know, whatever, you know. But what do you think's on Jesus' mind? You know, historically speaking, and even currently. I mean, we live obviously this side of, the, of Christ's death and resurrection. But, you know, in Jesus' mind, uh, this is a season... Where, where Christ is, is reaching out to us and uh, he, he wants us as a church and as a people group to be mindful of what he's done for us, that he died on the cross and that he rose from the dead and he wants us to be entering into that season of, okay, this is what, uh, what happened and this is a, a time for reflection and a time for looking uh, uh, backwards. Now, the thing that gives us a lot of uh, encouragement, quite honestly, is we tend not to be like holy people. We tend, if we just left to our own devices, that our minds get filled with all sorts of things that aren't necessarily the things that Christ would have us want to fill our minds with. Uh, the encouraging thing is this. His disciples are exactly the same. And they turned out pretty, pretty good in the end, except Judas. Uh, you know, so there's hope for the disciples, there's hope for us, but uh, if you look at what was on the disciples' minds, it was always about them and about their circumstances and what's going to be great for them. And in fact, all they could talk about all the time was who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus is saying, hey guys, listen, you know, I've got some really important, serious, heavy stuff to, to talk about. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be crucified. You know, can we like, get in sync with this idea? Can you be with me on this? And the disciples are like, yeah, like, am I going to be the greatest? I mean, listen to this passage. This is Matthew uh, 17. It says this, uh, 22. After they gathered in Galilee, Jesus told them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And the disciples were filled with grief. And then the very next thing we read here on, in in Matthew 18, 1, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I mean, it's just like, they're just like totally out of sync. And it's not like it just happens once. You know, they, they're doing Passover dinner in the Gospel of John, and uh, you, you, Judas has allowed Satan to, like, enter him, and Judas has left, he's going to betray Jesus, 
And Jesus is like, okay, this is it. Like, it's going to happen now. Now is the hour. And what are the disciples talking about? Who's going to be the greatest? You know, I, I mean, it's like, really? So uh, what, I, what, what I would like us to do to help us get in sync is, as we said in announcements, I'd encourage you to read this uh, devotion. You should have one each. If you didn't get one, you know, uh, please help yourself to one. And just use it as a daily reading to reflect during this week. It'll help you uh, get in tune with what God, uh, I think, would have us get in tune with. On the other hand, or in addition, uh, I gave out this Bible reading plan, how to read through the whole Bible in a year in a chronological uh, order. And some of you following along, doing that great. For, for others of you, you've given up on that idea. But here's the thing. I would encourage you to pick it up again for this week. And just for Holy Week, if you'll read all the Scripture in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and to make it easier for you, if you pick up one of these Bible reading plans, it starts on day 311 and goes through to 317. And if you read those, you'll get something uh, rewarding out of it because each gospel has a little different insight that isn't in the other gospel. And when you put all the pieces together, there's something fun about that. You'll, you know, if you haven't done this before, you'll be noticing things that are absent in one and in another. Uh, it's really helpful for those of you that have, you know, are very familiar with the Bible. Uh, but it's also helpful for those of you that are reading for the first time because now you, you, know, you get the whole picture uh, at the expense of being a little repetitive. But you get the whole picture. So what I want you to get out of this message today is the ability to get in sync with Jesus. The ability to say, God, I, I, I choose to walk with you, whether it's a good thing that I'm going through or a bad thing that I'm going through. And not only do I walk with you, I'm going to worship you. I worship you because things are going great in my life and I just want to worship you and I want to thank you. And I worship you because things really stink in my life and I'm not happy with the situation, and I'm going to worship you anyway. And that takes like a, a will to do that. But what I'm saying is, as we just walk with Jesus, and we worship Jesus, it'll go really well with us. Uh, and let Jesus, you know, figure it all out. We don't have to figure it out. We have to just walk and worship Jesus. So uh, let's just invite the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, I, I just ask what... Only you can do. Uh, only you can inspire us and help us to uh, get excited about the things of the Spirit. Uh, only you can open our eyes to even see what it is that uh, you are doing around us. And so fill us up. Give us a chance to see what it is that, that you're doing and have a chance to shut down the things that uh, inhibit us from noticing what it is that you're doing. The noise. Just shut it out. We just lifted up the service up to you, Jesus, in your name. So uh, let me read uh, Luke's account of Palm Sunday. And uh, this is found in the, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 28. Now, before I even read it, what I want you to notice is what's absent. So, you know, unless I tell you that it's absent, you're not going to notice that. The thing that's absent in this account is that there's no mention of Palms or Palm Sunday. Okay, but we know it's Palm Sunday, but you have to read the other accounts to get the palm part of it. 
Not a big deal, but just pointing it out. It says in verse 28, after telling this story, well, that's awkward. I'm jumping right in and it's like after telling the story, what story? Well, the parable of the ten servants and of which uh, Jesus' point there was in verse 26, uh, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Okay, so Jesus is saying, okay, if I've given you stuff, use it and use it well. The more you've been given, the more you will be given. Just use it. Okay, so that's the point he's saying. And then after he's telling the story, Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks why you are untying that colt, just say, the Lord needs it. Now wait a bit. We've got to think about this for a second. Is Jesus telling his disciples to go steal a colt? You've got to think about this. Like, Okay, Jesus' personality isn't one to go steal. He told us not to steal. So he can't be telling us to steal, but it certainly sounds that way. Like, just go down there and untie the colt and take the darn thing. You know, it's like, what? How does that work? And so, you know, in many churches, like, they just don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit or the power of God. They say, okay, you know, the disciples were like, uh, you know, not well seen by the locals, and so it was a secret little thing, and they, like, arranged everything, and now Jesus walks into town, it's all arranged, and it's all organized, and they sneakily just go up there. Or you can just, like, believe what the Bible says and say, hey, Jesus, like, is God, after all, and he kind of had some insight, and he knew this was going to go well. But he says to the disciples, hey, in town, I mean, you can foresee it. There's a cult. Just go and get it and just like untie that thing and just bring it to me. And by the way, somebody's going to challenge you. And when they do, uh, just say, oh, the Lord needs it. And then go on your way. So uh, this is what he does. So let me read the rest of the story. So they went and found the cult, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that cult? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over, over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along. I mean, they're just worshiping Jesus and they're walking along with him praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples for saying things like that. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. I mean, it's just an interesting, wonderful uh, part of Scripture. Uh, but... Here's the challenge for, for each of us. You know, when we get in sync with Jesus, when we're walking along with Him, uh, Jesus will always challenge us. It, it, there's always going to be times when it's just a little bit uncomfortable. And uh, we always have this option to withdraw and just be safe and play it safe. Or we can risk it a little bit 
and do what Jesus is asking us to do. So in this case, with the disciples, he says, okay, go there and take the colt. Now the disciples could say, okay, I, I, you know, give me more explanation. Explain it more and tell me more about it. And Jesus doesn't. He just says, just go do it. And then, you know, obviously, think of you, that disciple, and you go up there and you're like, taking the colt and it's like, Yikes, I'm like, who's going to scream at me? And then, sure enough, you just start untiring and go, like, hey, what are you doing with my cold? Like, oh. You know, but then just, just think how awesome it would have been, like, you untie the cold and say, no, the Lord needs it. And the guy's like, oh, great, take it. And he's like, wow, this is cool. You know, hey, this was a scary moment, but Jesus came through for me. This is awesome. And again and again in our, li in our lives, we're going to have to take steps that are faith steps. That, 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 that just feel uncomfortable to us, that are, that are like risky. And yet, when they pan out, it's awesome. It's like, oh, God's on my side. You know, it's great. And I tell you, sometimes it's small things. As silly as uh, those cards that Rayleigh was holding up, invite a friend. Let me tell you what happens when you invite a friend. Because I have the same dilemma that you have. You invite a friend, it's like, okay, what are they going to say? They're probably going to say no. And you know, then I'm going to be rejected. And unless you're a salesman, you don't like rejection or you're not used to rejection. And you say, I'm not a salesman. I'm an engineer or an IT dude or, or whatever. And I, you know, everything just needs to be programmed and organized. And here, I'm going to ask somebody and they're going to say, no, I'm not going to come to church. Or they're going to be real polite and say, yeah, sure, I'll come. But they're not going to come. You know, but let me just say this. There's something where we partner with Jesus and it's kind of risky. You invite somebody to church and it may or may not work out. But if it does work out, you're going to be the biggest champion. I mean, you're going to be so excited. Let me ask you, did you come to church at some point because somebody invited you? I wouldn't be preaching to you today unless my wife hadn't invited me to church. I mean, she didn't think I'd ever come to church. I mean, hadn't put foot in church for, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I can't even remember when I was ever in church. I didn't grow up in church. The last thing she thought I'd do would be interested in coming to church. But... She took a big risk, and in her mind, it was like a massive risk. From my standpoint, it's like, oh, I'm just curious. I just want to see what this is all about. Never did I th ever think that that was going to mean I'll end up being a, a pastor. I mean, that, wow, you know, how did that happen? But what about your friends and your family? I mean, aren't there people in your life that you'd say, I just wish they would know Christ? Well, let me just say, it's not going to happen unless somebody invites them. You know, so we, we live in that tension. We just do. Uh, and it's not just that, it's, it's all sorts of things in our lives where Christ is just asking us, just do it my way, will you? Can you just live your life my way? I, I'm, I'm telling you it's going to go well for you. And we say, no, no, I can live it my way. I'm going to just chase the dollar. I, I want a promotion. I want the next best thing. And Christ thinks it's okay to be, you know, adventurous. It's okay to want promotions. It's okay to want more. But it's not okay to be totally consumed where all your time is taken with chasing after money or chasing after fame or, or you know, in my case, like chasing after sport. I mean, you know, it's like it, it doesn't last. How about chasing after Jesus? It lasts. Uh, and, uh, and I encourage you in that. Just live your life knowing that God is always going to be stretching us just past where we feel comfortable. We just, he just does. And yet what he's asking us to do is just trust him, have faith in him, to walk with him. And to worship Him in the midst of it. Whether your friends come or don't come, your job is to invite. Christ's job is to change and transform their heart. You can't do that. You'll never do that. Only Christ can do that. And that happens in church. It happens regularly in church. Uh, so uh, I encourage you uh, in that.
But anyway, let's, uh, let's look, for instance, if you want to get the idea of Palm Sunday, and I'm looking at the idea of looking at these Gospels chronologically, you actually only find the mention of palms in the Gospel of John, which is, you know, kind of interesting. Matthew doesn't even, I mean, Mark doesn't even have the account. Uh, Luke doesn't mention palm branches, but John does. John says this, A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him, to meet Jesus. Uh, in Matthew's account, it said, Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road, ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Just as branches, but you have to go to the Gospel of uh, John to actually realize that it's palm branches. And so in reading the Gospels, we get the full, all the, all the Gospels, we get the full picture, and that helps us to get in sync with God, in t to get in sync with the whole story of God, uh, not just a piece of the, s the story of God. You know, again, I've got to reiterate the Bible and the inspiration of the Bible and the Gospels and the difference of the Gospels and the fact that they uh, are inspired and how did we get them to become inspired and how can we trust them? I mean, these are questions which for many uh, believers, you know, you overcome those obstacles. But for people that are new to faith, this is a mystery. And the mystery goes like this. Uh, okay, did God like just dictate, you know, the gospel? He said, hey, Matthew, let me tell you what to write. This is what you need to say. I'm dictating it to you. Just take good notes. And Luke, uh, you're right next door. You might as well listen in as well and dictate it too. I don't know why I need four copies, but hey, John, you know, that's not the way it works. I mean, in other religions, it works that way. But it, it, in Christianity, it doesn't work that way. God did something way more cool and mysterious and actually... It helps, like, authenticate the scriptures. What God did is he said, okay, I had some disciples, in this case, uh, Matthew and, and John. They were firsthand, uh, you know, experiencing the life of Jesus, noting what he did. But Matthew records his gospel with a, with a unique objective in mind. Matthew is Jewish, and he wants to record these uh, accounts so that other Jewish people can see the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament and why Jesus is the Messiah that they had so many prophecies about. And that's the angle that Matthew's pushing. Okay, so if you want to read a gospel that's got a lot of like the connection, Old Testament, New Testament, you read Matthew. On the other hand, uh, Luke's account is totally different. Luke is a doctor, he's analytical, his whole emphasis there is let me get all the facts from all the people and put them in chronological order and like present the picture. And he's not Jewish and he's not writing this for Jews, he's writing it for non-Jews. So, you know, he's not really interested in the you know, prophecies that are being fulfilled because he knows his audience don't even know what the prophecies are. And so we get this right in the beginning of Luke, he tells us. So it's not, a, it's not a mystery. It says, Many people have set about to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account. For you, most honorable Theophilus, you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. And so... Uh, what happens is, even though writing from a different perspective, 
And then you got the Gospel of John, which is a different perspective again. Uh, John is writing that you would believe in Jesus and that you would continue to believe in Jesus. And John tells us that too. He, uh, he says it to us in uh, John chapter 20. He says, The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. In this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. So, you know, John has got a different angle that he's writing this, his gospel for. But he has the beauty. While each one of them are different, when you put them together, you get a real complete picture. And while they might emphasize different facts, uh, when you read them all together, you get the complete picture. So, for instance, uh, Matthew is the only one that connects Palm Sunday with the Old Testament prophecy. And he says this. I'm reading Matthew 21, verse 4. And he's talking about, okay, you know, go and tie the colt. And if anybody asks, just say the Lord needs it. And he will immediately let you, t uh, you take them. Then it says this in verse 4. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Let, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding a donkey, riding a donkey's colt. And he was fulfilling a prophecy in Zechariah. You know, and so, I mean, you had to be like really, really Jewish to get this prophecy in Zechariah. I mean, luck wasn't real obvious. And uh, Matthew's teasing it out. He's saying, wait a bit. You know all these things we'd hoped for, the way we thought God was going to be, the way God's going to work in our lives, and the way God's going to be awesome. Hey, he has a prophecy that seems to have been idle, but now it's coming to pass. God, Jesus, is fulfilling this. And so he makes a big deal about that and, um, and uh, teases it out. And so we read in, uh, in Zechariah, you know, one of the minor prophets, Rejoice, O people. This is the, the prophecy that's referring to. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is riding and victorious. And yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding a donkey's colt. You know, that's the Old Testament prophecy that Jesus is now fulfilling. So if you're following along in your Bible uh, with the insert uh, that I've given on today's message, uh, the first point I'm trying to say is this. We need the whole Bible. You know, to be in sync with Jesus, we need the whole Bible. I mean, you need the Old Testament. You need the New Testament. Uh, you need to put it all together. You need all four Gospels. You need, you need it all. You can't leave any out. Now, agreed, I, would, I spend more time in the Gospels than any other place in, in the Bible because it's life-giving. It's about Jesus. It's, it's much more pertinent to my life than, say, you know, the book of Habakkuk. I mean, that's an inspired book too, but I mean, it, it doesn't just like, doesn't pertain as much to my life. So it's okay to spend more time, say, in one section, Psalms, uh, Proverbs, you know, the Gospels, but you need the whole Bible. The second point, if you want to be in sync with Jesus, is this. Uh, Jesus is the God of the Old Testament as well. Now, this might be shocking for many, you know, because for, for some folks, there's this weird dichotomy where it's like, I don't like God of the Old Testament. He's vindictive, he's angry, he kills people, he's nasty. 
I love the God of the New Testament. He's full of grace and he's full of love and he's just caring. And it doesn't matter what I do, I can never screw up. He just loves me no matter what. I just, I'm only into the New Testament God. I don't, none, I don't want any part of the Old Testament God. There's only one problem. There's only one God. It's just like it's revealed more in the New Testament. And unless you understand, you know, the holiness and the awesomeness of God in the Old Testament, you totally miss it. I mean, it's the same as like, I just want to praise God and Palm Sunday. God is so great, awesome. I don't want to deal with the cross. I don't want to deal with any negative stuff in my life. I only want positive messages. And then Easter is risen from the dead. Great Palm Sunday and Easter. What a great God we have. We don't need the cross. We don't need any bad stuff. Just don't. No, it'll be like there's no Christianity. There's no like New Testament without the Old Testament. There's no like awesome Jesus if you haven't seen the Old. You've got to put them together and you've got to figure that out. That's part of the joy and delight of following Jesus. It's part of the joy and delight of having God in your life. I mean, he's both like scary and awesome and, you know, you, you fear him. And it's also Abba Father loving and, and close. It's both simultaneously. And unless you feel that tension... Uh, you like missing Palm Sunday. There's a tension, uh, and we've got to experience it. Sometimes in our lives, we can't see what God is doing in our present difficult circumstance. We pray, and God doesn't seem to answer us. We're dealing with depression, and we can't get out of it. People are dying around us, and it seems unfair. And, you know, it's just difficult. We go through difficult seasons. But I tell you this, as we just keep walking and worshiping Jesus, not trying to figure it all out sometimes. Sometimes you can't figure it out. You're so exhausted. You're just like, I just need to focus on Jesus. Jesus, I just, I'm going to worship you. I don't care how dark it is or how difficult it is. I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to worship you. Sometimes it's only in hindsight you see what God was doing, if you're lucky. I mean, sometimes you never know what God was doing. But often it's with hindsight you see what God is doing, as in John uh, 12, 16. His disciples didn't understand at the, t- at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered that what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. You know, sometimes it's only afterwards that it's, you go, aha, I get it. I understand what Jesus was doing. Uh, Luke points out some other details that uh, I think are interested interesting for those of us that aren't Jewish, uh, and they, you know, kind of curious. Uh, For instance, only the Gospel of Luke do we see the emphasis that, uh, where he says, as you enter into Jerusalem, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. I mean, Luke somehow thinks that that's important. Now, here's the interesting thing to me. I mean, It's like, okay, so he has a donkey. Nobody's ever ridden it. Why would Jesus choose, like, a donkey? Isn't this thing going to buck him and go on his own course and, like, not listen? I mean, there's going to be crowds of people and people waving branches. This is going to be like a fiasco. This donkey is going to be, like, uncontrollable. Except, like, God is in charge of, like, donkeys. I mean, it makes him speak and, like, he can control them and he can make them, he can ride the thing like it's been totally broken in and everything's under control. I mean, God's in control of everything. He's in control of your dog, for crying out loud. He's in control. I mean, just, he's in control, period. He's large, and he's in charge, and he's in control. We just need to worship him and walk with him. Walk and worship him. I mean, that's who God is. You know, and just as 
that tension was thick with the disciples having to go and take this colt and untie it and have somebody yell at him. You know, we don't have time to look at the Last Supper Thursday night. But Jesus does a similar thing. He says, hey, just like go to that guy's house and it'll all be set up and just ask him where's the room and, you know, he'll let you in. And it's like, you know, if you're the disciple, you're going up, it's like, is this the right house? Is this the right person? I mean, Jesus said, as you get to town, there'll be some guy with water, you know, carrying a thing of water in his head and that's the guy. When you see that guy, ask him. And it's like, wow. I mean, again, if, if you're the disciple, you think, have I got the right guy? You know, so there's something risky about following Jesus, but there's something fun about following Jesus. The last point I want to make briefly is this. Uh, to live, uh, we need to live in this exciting uh, tension that we have with God. And part of it is our response uh, to faith. There's something in this where uh, we live in this exciting tension. And uh, we need to respond in faith. Uh, God is always asking us to respond, 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 respond in faith. Uh, in Palm Sunday, uh, many of them, uh, it was really easy. They'd seen Jesus do all the miracles. The anticipation of Jesus was he's going to be the king. And now everything's going to be great. There's going to be peace. Our lives are going to be sorted out. And we're just going to worship Jesus. In fact, Jesus just raised Lazarus from the dead. And Lazarus could have even been there at you know, like worshiping him. So like, praise God. I mean, let's look at this awesome miracle. You're a dead guy that's worshiping Jesus. Everybody can see him. People have seen the miracles. I mean, it's easy to worship Jesus under those circumstances. The problem is that like everybody's bubble got burst pretty quickly thereafter because what they anticipated Jesus doing isn't what Jesus did. So it was totally appropriate that people would worship Jesus for what he did do. Uh, he did do miracles and he was worthy of being worshiped. And so, you know, people were worshiping him for the wonderful things, as Luke, Dr. Luke says, of all the miracles they had seen. They'd already seen him do it. So anyway, let me just uh, wind this uh, up by saying this. We don't all know what is exactly coming our way. You know, the disciples on Palm Sunday are super excited part of Jesus, they're walking with Him, they're worshipping Him, but before the following week, they'd all deserted Him. I mean, there was only a, a, like a week afterwards. You know, and Judas obviously betrayed Jesus. The other 11 disciples all denied Jesus. Uh, so we live with this week ahead of us, which is like awkward. You know, there's times when we just want to worship Jesus and we should worship Jesus because all the good things, all the expectations that we have. And then there's times when we need to worship Jesus when life didn't go the way we expected it or it isn't going the way we expected it to go and we're suffering and it's painful and we still worship Jesus. But at the end, it'll work out well. If we will walk with Him and we will worship Him, it'll work out well. I mean, even though the disciples denied Him, it still worked out well in the end. They, they, they came around. Uh, and this is a good week for us to say, Lord, you know, I want to tell you about my troubles. I want to list my troubles. I want to write out my troubles. I want to mention all the things that make it hard for me to sleep and the things that are making me anxious. I want to write them out and I want to give it to you, Lord. I say, Lord, what are you doing about all this stuff in my life? I, I, I'm looking for you. I, I'm asking what are you doing in my life? And then there's... It's also a good week to say, you know, a lot of people are really like irritated me and I just want to make 
intentionality about forgiving. And you just like you just get together with God and you say, I just forgive that person. I mean, they really irk me, but I, I just gonna forgive him. You know, I choose to forgive him. Help me to forgive him. Because this is a good week to get in sync with what Jesus wants us to get in sync with. And it takes work, it takes energy, it takes emotional process. But man, it is so rich and rewarding when you can process this stuff and give it to Jesus and receive a new infilling of his Holy Spirit and be, you know, carried in a new direction of encouragement with Jesus going forward. So uh, I, I just, again, I, I just pray that can we get in sync with Jesus? Can we worship him and walk with him through Palm Sunday and all the way through Holy Week, through the ups and the downs? And then can we really celebrate Easter in the fullness of Easter? If we can do the prep, if we can do the hard work, Easter is that much more exciting. And the prep and the hard work is honestly taking stock of your life, where you're at, where Jesus has let you down, in your opinion, and you know what Jesus should have done in your life and didn't, in your opinion, and being honest about all that stuff, and giving it to God, and reconciling that with God and saying, God, I, I give it to you. Because God is active. He's active in your life. He's doing things in you and around you. He's moving circumstances around. You may not see it. You may see it. But what he is asking you to do is walk in faith and worship him no matter what. It'll work out awesome if you stay faithful and you walk and you worship Jesus. It will. It did for the disciples. It'll do it for you too. Jesus, I just end and I just pray as we come to worship you intentionally. Lord, I just pray you'd fill us with a, a supernatural confidence in your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you'd raise our level of faith and of expectation of what you are doing and are going to do in our lives and in the lives of those that we love that are around us. So, Lord, I just pray for an infusion, a filling of your Holy Spirit in each person here today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you stand and, and, and let's worship God with a sense of intentionality uh, that he's just so worthy to be worshipped.